from 104.5 The Zone. In Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. This is Squared Circle Radio. Welcome to the Kevin Owens Show. The latest news and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. They make sure you ain't booty. And now, Squared Circle Radio. The face that runs the place. With your main eventers, Jason Martin, David Reed, and Brandon Haggerty. Good Sunday morning to you. Welcome in. Squared Circle Radio. Back on the air here on 104.5 The Zone yet again. Along with Brandon Hagany. I am Jason Martin. David Reed with the week end off. Brandon's at Hagany. I'm at Jmart Zone. We are at Zone Wrestling. Hell in a cell tonight. Somebody will live tweet it. I'm going to be in the cavern somewhere listening to Dawes. So I'm not going to actually see that show until tomorrow morning at some point. There's so much wrestling at this point. I've seen a lot of it. And we're gonna. I think the smartest way to do this is to work backwards, and start with Friday Night SmackDown, Ooh. and what came from that show. Then talk about Wednesday and Monday. We might not even get to Monday. Like Raw's the least important thing that took place in a very very busy week. But but well, we launched like a, a second uh, god awful storyline. Like we we talked a couple of weeks ago about the right. Canella storyline being one of the worst things that WWE has ever done. Um, and now it seems like they're going down that same road, blazing that same path with two of our favorites in Rusev and Lana. Yes, and we will. let's touch on that real fast. I know it's not the biggest news of the week, but stop trying to make me believe in these angles. The biggest problem for pro wrestling in my eyes as me watching is not being able to get invested in what you're doing because it's preposterous. And there's too much of this, especially when I know that Rusev and Lana are happily married, love each other the other to death, and then we're having to watch this on Monday nights. Like, I can watch this in a movie because I know these are actors playing roles, but pro wrestling is some... It's it's an amalgam of a movie with something that's supposed to feel real. So we know these characters and we know their real lives because social media has pulled back every veneer. There are no more curtains left. So to do this, it's just... When I saw this, I immediately thought, God, they hate Rusev, don't they? Like, they've done so many things to him. Something he has done, or a couple things that he has done that has rubbed them the wrong way. They just, this feels like punishment to me. I don't know that it is, but that's what it feels like to me. They bring him back in the first storyline with Mike Kanellis and Maria Kanellis. And then now here's this with Bobby Lashley kissing Lana and Rusev not even going to attack him, just standing there in the ring like a simp. Yeah, like they're they're basically doing the same thing. It looks like at least they're going to go down the same road with Mike Kanellis or with yeah, Rusev Corey as even they use the Mike word. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. We don't even have yeah, to we talk don't about to. it. Um, Friday, man, I was at dinner, and actually, uh, from dinner, I was at dinner from like five thirty to six forty five ish, and actually watched the Rock and the opening segment from my phone in the car because. Let's be real. You can talk about Hulk Hogan. You can talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin. You can talk about Ric Flair. You can talk about all these people. But the most famous person who has ever come out of the professional wrestling landscape is The Rock. Yeah. And whether or not you like his stick in 2019, the fact of the matter is every time he shows up, people are going to watch. Yes. And 
I like The Rock, and I think that his film career and things like that have made him more endearing because he's done a lot of, well, he's done a lot of not so good, but he's done some good things as well, and he banks pretty much the highest anybody can in Hollywood. And I don't know that we saw that coming in The Scorpion King back in the day when he showed up in The Mummy Returns. Certainly didn't see it uh, when he came out with The Tooth Fairy. Right. That would be one example, and then there have been some later, but at least he already had some background. But, I mean, he turned an HBO series that really had nothing new going for it other than its entourage with sports, but you watched it because Dwayne Johnson is somebody that you watch. So he opens up SmackDown, and he should because the name of the show comes from his own mouth, basically. That show was, it wasn't built around him necessarily originally, but it came about because of... His charisma. So SmackDown doesn't exist. That name certainly doesn't exist without Lay the SmackDown, which, of course, he mentioned during his promo. I thought that first segment, which went just shy of 20 minutes, which is probably expected, I thought it was entertaining. I liked it. I thought, when I first saw Corbin, I said, okay, well, we know where this is going. But in the process of sort of making him sort of a comedy figure in this role, you also made him... to a pure heel in that there's nothing likable about the stuff that he's doing. He's just obnoxious and in the way. But the good thing, and we talked about this right before the show, Brandon, is Becky Lynch got serious rub here because The Rock did not treat her as if she was in the ring with The Rock. He treated her as if she was a sister almost in the ring with The Rock. Yeah, and that's a little bit different than what we've seen from The Rock in the past. I think this was his first appearance in, what, three years? Mm -hmm. At least on a, a, a television edition. Like I think he's probably popped up at a WrestleMania or something. I don't know. All of these things run together. But I remember specifically the last time he was on a Raw, he basically just humiliated Rusev and Lana. That's yes. what he did. And he like ran into them backstage and just proceeded to just dress them down, yeah. insult them, and, and bury them, quite frankly. And not that that's The Rock's fault. That's what he was told to do. And it seems like a lot of the time, we, t- we talk about this all the time, we talk, we talk about these reunion shows that they do, the, whatever, the 25th and whatever show that they want to do where they bring back a ton of stars. Where they want to pop a rating. When they want to pop a rating uh, without actually doing any work to pop that rating. A lot of the time what you'll do is you'll get a guy come in from the Attitude Era and just completely run down a current star or somebody currently... Like, the only time we, somebody has somebody new has ever gotten over on a legend was when the fiend attacked Mick Foley right. at the last one. Like right. that's basically it. Right, and you can tell that was probably Mick Foley's idea. Yeah, because that's how Mick Foley looks at things. And pretty much all that accomplishes is it reminds you what used to be that isn't there now. All it does is define down the entire main roster. It doesn't make it because those are the guys that are going to be there next week, and you're doing nothing for them. For the sake of hot-shotting, bringing guys back from the past. It's not turning the page. It's the equivalent of main eventing WrestleMania with guys that aren't going to be there next week. And this, but, but like you said, The Rock gave serious credence to Becky Lynch in this segment. And that's, what, that's why this segment, to me, was a huge success. And Becky Lynch, this has happened... Everything that I just said apparently doesn't apply to Becky Lynch because Becky Lynch has been getting this kind of treatment over the last year. Yes. If you remember when John Cena popped back in uh, for a, uh, just a one random SmackDown, it might have been, it was sometime late last year, mm-hmm. and they did like a mixed tag team match mm-hmm. where she teamed up with John Cena. 
and she was stealing his taunts and doing the you can't see me stuff, and John Cena just stood there and took it. Yeah. Like, they have treated Becky Lynch this way. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, Mick Foley used to steal The Rock's catchphrases, and that became a gimmick about, hey, don't steal The Rock's gimmicks. This time, it was Becky that said it doesn't matter while everybody was waiting for The Rock to be the one to say it. The Rock didn't give her a, an eyebrow or anything like that. He fist-pounded her, like, yep, you know. Like, you're on my level. And that's exactly what they should do with someone like The Rock, is find a way to let as much of his ridiculous star power rub off on somebody that's already sort of over in the eyes of just about anybody that has seen her in front of a new audience that may not have seen her. Now she should matter because The Rock let her stand on an even playing field. No question. And I I, I thought that 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 opening segment was a huge success specifically because of that. Like we, We have seen just how highly WWE views Becky Lynch because of how they've treated her this past year. Like we could talk about we could get lost in the minutia and talk about her feud with Lacey Evans and stuff like that, but it's these moments that tell you exactly how WWE feels about Becky Lynch. And she was the first one that came out on yeah, she Fox. She opened that show. I mean other than Vince and Stephanie just saying this is I mean, SmackDown to lead sure. into the ACDC theme. Sure. So <laughs> welcome to a new era. Welcome to a new era of WWE. The first two faces you'll see is Vince McMahon and Stephanie McMahon. This was a hot shot loaded SmackDown in terms of what they were presenting. They knew they, they had to come out of the gates hot, and they did. But I'll tell you this. It still felt like the same kind of thing to me. It didn't feel like it was all new. It might have been a little brighter because the cameras are more expensive on Fox. Maybe that's, you've got Aaron Andrews in the back. I thought the set was gorgeous. That set is set amazing. was fantastic. Um, but it was still SmackDown. I mean, the same things that you don't like about the main roster in WWE, it's not like much of that looked any different. And if you need examples of it, all you have to do is point to Kofi Kingston's seven-second loss and but, relegation right on back to the shallow end. I, I feel like we should. I, I feel like we should hold on to that one because takes are going to be flying in the next segment when we get to yes. that point. But yeah, you you, you could tell what they were trying to do here. They're trying to, and, and I think as soon as you showed up this morning and I told you that was like a casual fest, like that's WWE is trying to to grab the casual fan. If you haven't seen professional wrestling before, here's a bunch of lights and explosions and some vague celebrities. And then maybe you're a sports fan as well. Maybe you're tuning into SmackDown because you've watched the NFL or you watch college football and you've seen where we've been advertising on Fox. And so we're going to throw some MMA guys because they're, you know, for a while Fox was kind of the home of UFC on FS1. I think Kane Velasquez and I think Kane Velasquez was actually the main event of the first ever UFC on Fox. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. That, that might be right. But and we'll take a break and we'll come back because we do want to give the Lesnar thing and the Velasquez thing and the Kofi angle a lot of talk. And yes, we are going to talk a lot about AEW on this show. We've both seen Dynamite, and we saw those numbers come out. I watched more wrestling this week, and I thought I might not get to watch any. Um, ended up getting to watch a, a ton of it, and it was a good week overall. Wednesday is going to be a really fun day, I think, for pro wrestling fans, except for the fact that it's exhausting to watch. Except for the fact that... Wednesday night might have the two best shows on the week 
by far. against each other. By far. Like, but I would love if NXT was on a Monday and Raw was going up against yeah. AEW. Well, who knows? I don't think it would happen, but AEW's numbers, we'll keep an eye on it. When we come back, we'll talk about Lesnar. We'll talk about what they did at the end of SmackDown on Fox, what they set up, and guess where that match is going to take place. We'll tell you next. It's Squared Circle Radio on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Squared Circle Radio here on 104.5 The Zone. Brandon Hagney, Jason Martin with you, David Reed with the week off. Titans Bills coming up just a couple of hours live from Nissan Stadium. Coverage here on Titans Radio. We'll take you through all of what's going to happen out there today. Titans need to have one of those good ones. Last year, the Bills did not go so well for them and sort of spiraled them out for a few weeks. This week, hopefully different if you're a Titans fan. Freaking Nick Williams. That's right. Absolutely right. So Brock Lesnar is the champion, SmackDown champion again, as we come back with his music. We've listened to his music about three times longer than it took for him to beat Kofi Kingston (sighs) on Friday night, which leads us to talk about Monday Night's Raw. They set up this deal where he attacked Rey Mysterio, cut this deal, and it was to set up what we would see at the end of this show, which sort of was spoiled during the week. The only question was, could they sign him? AEW was trying to sign him as well. Dana still controls what he does and had put the kibosh on him doing some things in the United States, which is why he had done a couple of things in Mexico. But it's Cain Velasquez who comes out at the end with Rey Mysterio after Brock Lesnar basically just sends Kofi back to the mid-card. Like, appreciate your... Bruce Mitchell of PW Torch has called Kofi Kingston's title reign a legacy watch kind of deal. Like, you give this veteran in your company a watch because he's... He's been a good been veteran for guy for service for 20 years. Yeah. That it was more that kind of an honor than it was something that Kofi deserved and had earned in the moment and was in the, the forefront of a Vince McMahon. I don't necessarily uh, agree with that because Kofi mania was a thing. Like, let's be real. It was an absolute thing. No, I'm not saying that it wasn't in the eyes of the fan. I'm saying that Maybe in Vince, the eyes of Vince McMahon. Yeah. Well, like... That I, I look at what happened at WrestleMania with Kofi Kingston defeating Daniel Bryan, finally winning the WWE Championship as another example of the WWE's fan base sort of dragging them along, kicking and screaming into something that they want. Amazingly, it's that was only, two guys that WWE didn't want. It's only happened match. maybe a handful of times over the last decade or so, but I look at that as that one moment. I just... If it was like a, if it was basically handing a guy a watch on his retirement party, um, you would have taken it, taken the championship off of him a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, I tend him to six agree. Months. I tend to agree with what you're saying. I don't think it was a great title run in that the matches were were good, but they weren't great. Um, he was doing a good job, but you could have seen this coming from a mile away. You might have tried to talk yourself into, well, Velasquez can show up and cost him the match, and Kofi ends up keeping the championship. But this is a most Vince McMahon thing. Like, if you've watched WWE your whole life, you know what Vince McMahon is going to do. You're on Fox, so what's he going to do? He's going to bring out a real star, and he's going to take his pro wrestler that he's not really that big a fan of to begin with in in terms of being in that spot, and he's just going to send him away in seven seconds with one F5. And that's going to be it. And some people are saying, well, is Kofi going to get a rematch? 
You think I, you think he's going to get doubt. a rematch? Really? Like, if he no. does, it'll be a three second match. I mean, Brock Lesnar is Thanos at this point. He is inevitable, except for Seth. Sure. Which I guess means Seth could beat Kofi by the transit of property in like half a second. I just like just because you could see this coming. Just because anyone who pays any sort of attention to WWE programming knew what was going to have happen on Friday night does not make it any less disappointing. Yeah. I mean You just kinda wanted better for Kofi, but did you really think you were gonna get a ten minute match? Especially when there were nine minutes left in the show when Brock made his entrance, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, this is not going very long. And at, that, and at that point, you were still thinking, at least I was for a while, I was still under the impression we were going to get a Stone Cold Steve Austin appearance. Yeah. So I, I put it out on Twitter that, like, hey, we still have this, like, freaking eight-man tag match or whatever the crap we're doing where AJ Styles doesn't even get a television entrance. Yeah. Um, and we also have appearances by Hulk Hogan and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin and a WWE Championship match. Yeah. Um, which... I find it hard to believe. Like, I, I guess Hogan did this whole, you know, wave to the crowd bit earlier in the match, but earlier in the night, but we didn't really see Stone Cold Steve Austin at all, despite the fact that he was heavily promoted throughout the week. I find it hard to believe that you're cutting Stone Cold freaking Steve Austin for time. So, so, so you got to, so you got to ask yourself, what happened then? Did USA, who has this show, say no? Because there's one, there's one thing here about WWE that needs to be mentioned about USA and Fox. They are not partners. No. They do not like one another. They're almost competitors. Fox is in it for SmackDown to dominate the ratings, and they don't give one crap what happens on Monday Night Raw at all. They're not working together. That's why this roster split coming up with the draft a week, uh, you know, this Friday on SmackDown, and then going into next Monday's Raw as well. It's going to be vastly different because there are networks that are going to be demanding certain things, particularly Fox. I mean, Fox has quite a bit of control over what's going on right now. And so I don't know how that's going to play. We've never seen this is the same company, but it's like there really are competitors here. There are two completely separate entities that are being looked at by different people outside of that company. And it's a selfish endeavor. On both sides. Yeah, this isn't SmackDown on sci-fi. Right. Or, like, I guess that was still under the Universal umbrella, yeah. the NBC Universal umbrella. But, yeah, I mean, the 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 Fox money's a bit different, man. Like, and they don't care it, about it, USA. I mean, USA's no. NBC and Universal, just like you just mentioned, they have no interest whatsoever in Raw doing well. They, they could not possibly care less. And at this point, if you're Vince McMahon... Like, I know USA's been your partner for the better part of the last 25 years or whatever, but Fox gave you a ton of money, and Fox at this point can pretty much tell you what to do. Yeah, and they can lead in and make or break you during their NFL and college football coverage if they want to do so. They can try to attract eyeballs. But this was very Vince McMahon. I, I hate it for Kofi in that I don't know where he goes now. No. I'm not saying he got buried here because many others have lost to Brock and dominant. I mean, John Cena didn't get a single piece of offense in at SummerSlam years ago. That match went a while, but... Yeah, John Cena also didn't get pinned after one. But you remember five. when Brock and Kofi had their... We talked about this on the show, that Beast and E show. Yeah. I mean, this was shorter than that. But if you really look at the relative stature, and and if you're looking at it through Vince McMahon's eyes, it's even easier and clearer to see. But Kofi probably shouldn't be standing up to Brock Lesnar. 
it was a match that didn't make sense from a push standpoint dating back a decade. I mean, I, I get it. Like, truthfully. Still don't truthfully, feel good about it. Truthfully, I get it. Still don't feel good about it. And this also just goes to show you that in the seven years since Brock – it's been seven years since Brock Lesnar made his WWE return and attacked John Cena after that the night after WrestleMania – WWE has not built a star anywhere close to the level of Brock Lesnar in those seven years. And they've let Brock and if roll they had, through them. And if they had, that person would be WWE champion right now. Right. I mean, I don't... And then you get to Cain Velasquez. The problem here is, if you're not a diehard UFC person, they've got to tell you why Cain Velasquez matters. Because looking at him, he just kind of looks like... A melted candle? Yes. Coming from not a body guy. I mean, he looked like he came out of a recliner and just kind of showed up. I mean, and they tell you, well, he's the guy that beat Brock. Blah, blah. Okay, well, you can tell me that. I mean, but, Cain Velasquez has also never had the best of physiques. No. Even when he was I mean, a lot of heavyweights, most of UFC heavyweights. Remember when they had the Nashville show, those two dudes, the heavyweights? We were like, that's us. It's like us out there right now fighting. Like Brock, Brock didn't have the best of physiques when he was in the UFC right. either. Right. I mean, it's and not what a you get off That's the not gas. a physique business, obviously. It's, but WWE is an, an aesthetic company. It's an appearance company. Vince yeah. still cares about that, even though a lot of his guys don't have anywhere near the physiques of the guys in the '80s. Certainly, because there've been many changes. But Kane and Brock. I originally thought, okay, well, we'll build to Rumble or Survivor Series or maybe even Mania with this because I don't know what you're going to do on your own roster that's going to matter. But apparently, we don't have to wait a full month for this because on Halloween in Saudi Arabia, here comes Brock and Cain Velasquez. I hate this so much. I hate this deal. I hate the money. I hate everything behind it. I hate the flippant way with which they're just going to accept the blood money and just continue to run these blood money shows. And we're going to continue to not to watch them. This one, I would like to see what they're going to do here, but I also know that these have been glorified house shows and they can continue to build on them all they want. And it's not going to make me tune in because the last time one of those shows mattered will be the first. I mean, none of them have. Yeah. I mean, and you have a pay-per-view tonight. Yes. Which SmackDown went off the air on Friday, and there were only three matches booked for tonight's pay-per-view. Now, they've they've added some more since then through social media. And I mean, that's what. a very WCW kind of thing where you're going into the pay-per-view, you go to the end of the go-home show, and you only have half the card, and then half the card gets revealed to you as a surprise during the pay-per-view. Like, coming up here is Eddie Guerrero and Diamond Dallas Page. Didn't see that one coming, did you? It's going to be a great additional bonus match tonight on the pay-per-view. And they also booked or at least built two matches for this Crown Jewel this week. So they built more matches for Crown Jewel this week than the pay-per-view that they have tonight. And they also Because we knew Becky Lynch and Sasha yeah. Banks and The Fiend and Seth Rollins yeah. before this week. We yeah. knew those. Yeah. But now we've got this like Team Hogan versus Team Flair 10-man tag match garbage and we're going to get Brock Lesnar and Kane Velasquez. Yep. And Again, you're using the crossover stars or the big stars of the past to build up to a show where that's all they care about anyway. They don't care about the new guys. 
whatsoever over in Saudi Arabia, or the people with the money don't. I agree with everyone. I agree with you saying that, you know, Cain Velasquez obviously does not have the star power of Brock Lesnar. Like, there's no no question in that whatsoever. Cain Velasquez is also extremely green when it comes to this thing. He also apparently has a knee injury. Like, he was yeah, roll, he's he's rolling brace. with the red brace over the jeans, which is never a good look. Nah. Like, throw some shorts on, bro. Yeah. Like, I mean, throw some fight shorts. Yeah. Literally, that's all you got to do there. But apparently Cain Velasquez suffered some sort of ligament tear or some sort of ligament damage in his left knee in his last UFC fight. And since then, he's wrestled two matches. Like He is basically, since that fight, when he got injured, he has dedicated himself to professional wrestling. And if you saw, what was it, a six-man, eight-man tag that he did CML at Triple Mania? Or Triple Mania, yeah. That he did at Triple Mania where he was under the mask. Dude's got some natural talent at this stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, my man, like if we're talking right now, that was about a month ago, so that was even cl- that was even more recent from his knee injury. My man was out there throwing hurricanranas and springboard arm drags. Like this dude, like it, this match at, at Crown Jewel is going to be extremely scripted. It's going to be entertaining and interesting but to see how it goes. Cain Velasquez will hold like he'll tread water here like it's not like he's gonna drown the problem is there's a whole lot of good workers that aren't over and can't draw because people don't know or don't care who they are and so you're asking a wrestling audience who you've already basically told your whole roster none of these guys are really that important unless they have mcmahon at the end of their name now you're going to try and bring this guy in and tell me that he matters if i'm a pro wrestling fan you've got to do that through storytelling and right now that's a deficiency in wwe we've got you know, two of those storylines we talked about off the top of this show, for example, going on, who is over right now? I mean, The Fiend, they've done a good job, but tonight's a big night for The Fiend character. Huge night, because is it just Bray Wyatt with a mask, or is something else coming tonight that we don't see that's going to change this? I still have my doubts. AEW and NXT, that was Wednesday night. And it was glorious. And we'll talk about that maybe for the remainder of this show coming up next here on Squared Circle Radio 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Squared Circle Radio 104.5 The Zone. Brandon Hagney, Jason Martin with you. David Reed with the week off. We're on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. Follow him at David Reed Radio. Brandon's at Hag Haney. I'm at Jmart Zone. Chris Jericho, your first ever AEW champion. We already knew that going into the TNT debut, the first television show, AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night that went head-to-head with NXT on USA. And I, I didn't surprise me at all that AEW won. It was a pretty summary. I mean, it was a beating. It was 1.4 to about 800,000, even to the extent that WWE went full-on magnanimous and said it's a – Marathon, not a sprint, and they and this was before the numbers came yeah, they, out, so they knew the writing was on the wall here, and so they this is when they usually do this kind of thing, is when this happens. It's like they didn't really have a leg to stand on yeah. here. They knew that they got you know their tail kicked on Wednesday, so they tried to get out in front of the numbers actually officially being released and show some humility. Um, I think it was Jericho himself who did a couple of interviews after that, and they said. He, Jericho basically said, you're the one that made this a war, and you got your bleep kicked. Yeah. and But, I mean, you could have seen it. It was brand new. There were a lot of people that were going to check it out for the curiosity factor alone. The question going forward is simply going to be, 
how much of this was the WCW crowd that had tuned out that wanted to come back and see something different? How many? How much of this was just a pure curiosity factor, or how much of this was a legit fan base that already existed, that wanted this, that already believed in this, that wants it to succeed, and is going to you know stay underneath it? And if you look at it, this is a young audience that you know shops at Hot Topic and buys the Young Bucks and understands a lot of things that are going on and is part of that culture against the WWE audience because the only demographic that NXT won on Wednesday was 50-plus, which is where a lot of Raw and SmackDown's numbers are as well. It is a an older crowd. Yeah, Dave Meltzer um, on Thursday did a pretty interesting sort of deep dive into the numbers and, and everything. And yeah, like I think AEW got almost triple the amount of people from 18 to 35 that NXT did. Which, on the surface, shouldn't be that you know surprising because we know that WWE Raw and SmackDown sort of skew older. But if ever WWE had a show that would skew younger, it would be NXT. Oh, and yeah. the fact that you got trip, you got one third. You know, basically, I don't know my fractions. It's been a long time since I took a math class. It's not a math. But show. AEW did three times the amount. Like, that's pretty significant. To me. It is. I think that the strategy of starting two weeks ahead of time wasn't a good one, necessarily. I think if you had had a first-ever two-hour NXT on USA where we had not had two weeks prior, because I don't know that they built anything that mattered over the past two weeks on that show. They didn't. And that's one of the things. Like, NXT is like the storytelling star of the WWE family. But, like, they didn't... They didn't build anything. Like, yes, they had three championship matches. Good ones. Good ones. You know, Matt Riddle and Adam Cole's best match we saw all week. Best by a, thing. By a pretty wide margin, I would say. Best and anything we saw Candace all week. Candice and Shayna was a tremendous match as well. And then the tag match, which the overrun something else they don't need. You don't need a 15-minute overrun or a 10-minute overrun. I know that that might benefit you a little bit in the ratings numbers overall because there's one metric where NXT did beat AEW overall, and you can potentially include that ten minutes in it. But when you realize that you have twenty eight minutes to watch the Soul Pro or the Street Profits and the uh, Undisputed Era. Era, after watching all this other wrestling, it's just like, can we please? Like we're we're all exhausted. And I think the one thing that I noticed about both shows, because I watched the Monday Night War, I watched all of it, and I would tape one of them, and I'd watch one of them, and then Nitro would have a replay afterwards so then i didn't necessarily have to tape them but i was saving all these shows but there was so much storytelling and non-wrestling happening on both products getting over characters this felt like four hours of ring of honor because it was so much wrestling it was overwhelming and exhausting but not i need more story on both of these shows but which is really interesting because we say the exact opposite of i know raw and smackdown but you've got to have a balance i don't know that there's a good balance on mondays and fridays but this was just it was just a whole lot of wrestling and so AEW's on its first show and i think the biggest thing that they accomplished for me was they did not come out and throw everything in the kitchen sink at you like they didn't believe in their product and needed to save their audience they showed up like they were confident they put on a show that didn't feel like it was just full of hot shot matches or anything they were confident about it 
I don't necessarily love the way that the show ended necessarily, and there were definitely some missteps within the two hours, but it was a show where they believed in their product and didn't overdo it. Listen, and yes, they were going to have the eyes because it was the first one. Like, they were always going to beat NXT for the most part on Wednesday because the curiosity factor more so than anything. But just like the the clash of styles, like the difference between watching AEW who just came out and did a show. Like AEW, like it was I thought it was a pretty good show. It was. It wasn't tremendous. I'd, I'd say, say it's about a B. B. Yeah. B B plus. Yeah. Somewhere I'd probably there. say B plus. Um they established some characters. You obviously got the big stars of the company, the you know, the the core five or six guys that they have, but they also did a good job of uh, making Sammy Guevara matter. They made Sammy Guevara matter. They introduced you to MJF for a couple of minutes. He cut a pretty good little promo to let you know, okay, we know where this dude's coming from. Classic heel. Um, Cody opens the show, and he's the most over guy on the show. And they have the great moment with him and Shivani in the ring where it's like Shivani and his father back in the day, and here they are in this Which, moment. Which, by the way, man, Shivani was fantastic, too. By the way, as soon as Shivani... Like started talking on that broadcast, Felt so at man. Home, I was man. just like, I I just had this smile on my yeah. face because just that dude's voice has been missing. I love Tony. I love Tony. I always have. He looked and sounded genuinely happy. I to thought be that broadcast there. booth was pretty good. It was. That's by far the best Jim Ross has been. I think that that's credit to Tony. I think Tony gave Jr. a comfort it's, zone. It's, yeah, it's definitely a comfort level that maybe Jr. hasn't built with Excalibur and yet. Ex- and. <laughs> The only thing's weird. Brad Wilson said this. He goes, "It is weird though, where it's like Excalibur. How do you feel about this? Is this dude in a suit and a mask? It's like maybe it's, we need to move on from that and like call you Steve something, like or whatever I, your real name is." I do think that Excalibur is a very good oh, broadcaster, but like, yeah, I, I at this point, man, you should. At this point, they're going to keep rolling with the mask because they've been doing the mask. But I just, yeah, if you were going to introduce that guy to a whole different audience. Yeah, maybe don't have him in the mask, but but Shivani's a total pro. I mean, he like, let he let Jr. call the match, but he knew how to be a color guy, which you haven't really seen him ever have to do. Where he would just say, "All right, now roll him in the ring and go for the pin." Now, like he was he was actually adding to it. There was no adversarial nature to that booth, which is whatsoever. Such, so refreshing. Yeah, man. it was just that show, and the crowd was awesome. It was a full building. It looked big time from the very beginning, and that's the stark contrast, the biggest contrast between AEW and NXT where the rosters are not a gigantic contrast. There are some things that are very similar about both rosters, but you can't do a show in front of 900 people and then look on the other channel and they're doing it in front of 14,000 and make it look like one of those was being done in a National Guard armory and the other one's being done in in a legit building and it looks like a Major League Baseball compared to a single A team. As somebody who's been in that full cell building, yeah, we got for a takeover for a long. Uh, I've been I've been in there five, six, seven yeah. times. I think you're being generous with 900 people. Like, I'm Some not, people say it's about 400, but yeah, I think I would say about 600. Okay. If I had to guess, I would say about five, six hundred. But yeah, it definitely does not. It comes off low time, and it's not like NXT. Like maybe they wouldn't be able to sell out Capital One Arena or something like that but, every uh, who knows, single week. I don't think AEW is gonna be able to do that in a year uh, yeah, either, because they're they're basically living I mean, off tickets, of their own there's hype. There's tickets right here now. in town right now for. But you for you can't show. tell me that NXT can't go every can't go everywhere and find 
a 5,000-seat arena somewhere. And that's what's going to happen sooner rather like than I, later. I know they announced the extension of the partnership with Full Sail, but at this point, man, that thing can't, does look low time. They can't do it. I think Full Sail looks great. on t- Like, I've always enjoyed watching the NXT product. They've made it look good. But you just can't this do is, that. This is different, man. You, you, this, you're, in, you're in different waters now. It makes Adam Cole and Matt Riddle and all of those guys who are every bit as good as anybody else you're going to see on TNT, it makes them look like they're not as good, like they're not major league. I'm sitting there watching Adam Cole and Matt Riddle, which we already said was the best match of the week, and all I could think about was, God, it looks like nobody's there. Even though the crowd's into it and this match is outrageously good, and I love both of these guys and they're superstar talents, you were watching that directly against Cody and Sammy Guevara on the other channel. And I would say Sammy Guevara probably looked like a bigger star than either of the two guys on NXT just because of the audience surrounding them. Yeah, I would agree with that. And going back to what I was saying earlier in the segment about AEW just doing a regular show, like if if AEW has now room to operate, Mm -hmm. like there's going to be a point where in about three or four or five weeks, you know, the newness, quote-unquote, is going to wear off. Like, AEW hasn't fired every bullet in their oh, gun no, right not now. not at all. NXT kind of fired a ton of bullets on Wednesday. That was like basically they, a takeover. They gave you Adam Cole and Matt Riddle. They gave you three championship matches. They gave you Tommaso Ciampa's return. They gave you Finn Balor coming back to NXT. Now, they might be able to pop a rating once... Finn Balor starts working again in NXT, but the fact that you threw all of that against the wall, and I know I know Finn Balor and, and Tommaso Ciampa weren't teased ahead of time, but the fact that you threw all of that at the wall and you got trucked, like you said, yeah. you got trucked. Yeah. Where do you go from here? It's a problem because you're not going to be able to sell out the buildings unless you just can start, right Unless now. you just start bringing back start bringing down main roster which you talent. Don't, that, which, that's going to ruin NXT. That's not going to happen. Like, that's that's going to ruin NXT. Yeah. That's what everybody that is watching NXT doesn't want to that's see. That's why the people that are tuning into NXT are, are tuning into NXT. It's because they're, a lot of the times they're fed up with what we, they see on Monday The reason and why Finn Balor works is because people legitimately believe he's a superstar that just simply has not been booked well. And he's not like a a failure from the main roster. He's somebody they just screwed up with. And NXT's happy to see him back, and he's le- he legitimately helps them a lot to be there. There are a few guys that could have done that. This is not Brizongo or the Fashion Police or something like that where it just kind of, if you've got a dude that's coming off that show, and you can also apply this to AEW, and they've got to be real careful with Jake Hager. When I first saw that, I said, what am I watching? Is this Impact? Is Dilo Brown about to show up? Like, who was the next cast-off from WWE's mid-card that's going to show up? Is Sandow about to pop out? Because that's what Impact did. And when they did it, they would bring them in like they were the biggest human beings that you'd ever seen in that building. And so what does that make your roster if they were terrible on the other show or they weren't being pushed on the other show, but they're dominating all your guys? So there's a, there's a difference there. We kind of have the problem. To, uh, like uh, we're kind of running into a break here, but I want to I want to keep talking about Jake Hager on the other side. Like I want to expound upon that a little bit. All right, we will do that. Final segment still to come. Squared Circle Radio, one zero four five, the Zone.
Well, they chanted We the People on Wednesday night at the end of AEW Dynamite. They did. At Jake Hager. So we might as well come back with it here. No Cesaro or Dutch That's Mantel a, to be found at current. Zeb Coulter. It's a low-key banger, though. Yeah, we always enjoyed it. Square Circle Radio here, 104.5 The Zone. David Reed's off this week. Brendan Hagney with me. I'm Jason Martin. Weirdly, there's not really much to say yet, but this show's going to continue. But there's going to be some changes, and there have been changes. We've done this show for almost six years, and in that time, the three of us have all now gotten married. Things that I've moved from state to state. You're about to move across yeah. the country, and we're not thrilled about that. But we're gonna we're gonna find a way to make this thing continue. Yeah, we haven't exactly uh, talked about no. that a lot on this show, but yeah, my, my wife ex- accepted a job out west um, in about a week and a half or so. Uh, we will be moving to New Mexico. So, uh, like you said, this this thing we call Squared Circle Radio will. Undergo a bit of changes. Um, we'll try our hardest to continue it in whatever form we can. Um, Technology makes it possible and maybe a format change to some extent as well. There are certain things we're workshopping right now. So stick with us. And, of course, at Zone Wrestling, we'll continue to do what we always do there. But so we, you said before the break, Brandon, we were going to talk about Jake Hager. And so he's sort of the... It's not like some giant surprise that they pull at the end. He shows up. Not is he like, he's like the Lex into the main Luger? Event. Is yeah, he like Lex Luger rolling up in the so, food court at the Mall of America? Some people might try to go there, but he shows up and he's 6'5", and everybody else in the ring is tiny because it's AEW, and a lot of those guys are small. So he looks like a giant. He looks good. Um, and he's part of, I guess he's the heavy for Chris Jericho's group that also includes Santana Ortiz and Sammy Guevara, who they did a nice storytelling job. Look, AEW, on the first show, I don't know what you're expecting. They have to shoot a bunch of angles and get some guys over. So they introduce you to an MJF. They let Sammy go toe-to-toe in a really nice match with Cody, do the thing at the end with the Jericho beatdown to set up the beatdown they're going to do at the end where Sammy's going to reveal, yeah, the heel that you were already booing because he pulled Brandy Rhodes you know, in the, in the fire of the Cody deal to the floor and all that that's what he is going to do but they had two matches coming for their pay-per-view in november that were set already moxley and omega and cody and jericho and on this show they paid attention to both of those Mm -hmm. without necessarily going too much further they introduced you to some people i still think there's work to be done with kenny omega because i think they think he's a bigger star than many that watch that show do because many don't know who kenny omega is and so they brought him in during Rio's deal with Nyla Rose, and then they brought him in at the end, and Moxley put him through a glass table with the implant DDT. But I don't know, and I don't think they did very much with Moxley either. They just let him show up and do what they did. Cody and Jericho, they built very well. They're, there's clear Cody's your top babyface right now in the company, and he's a great babyface right now. Hopefully they don't feel the need to change that too fast. And Jericho's just a wonderful heel. Whatever you think about his body or whatever you want to do, Chris Jericho is a superstar, and he adds immediate gravitas to what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And bringing in Jake Hager, because, yeah, you we could sort of like snicker at the whole thing with, you know, his Jack Swagger run, especially early, wasn't great. He just wasn't inspired. If like, you go back, he, he just, they thought he was going to be a lot more than he turned out to be. He also, he just sort of, you know, he was a bit of a mid-card castaway. 
in WWE. Like, no question about that. Absolutely no question. And so, on the surface, if you look at it just on the surface, it does feel a little, a little impacty or TNA. Yeah. Because Whatever that was that was a more TNA yeah, era. Definitely. Um, but at the same time, at least initially, the way AEW was handling him, it seems like they're more leaning into this is the undefeated, undefeated, you know, Bellator MMA guy. This amateur was the, wrestling champion. This was the you know NCAA Division One All American at the University of Oklahoma, and almost kind of ignoring the fact that you know this was a guy who was a mid card castaway in in WWE. I think a lot of that probably has to do with Jim Ross, no doubt. I I believe that Jack Swagger was Jim Ross's last big signing when he was uh, head of talent relations. And JR thought he was blue chip. Obviously, Jack Swagger being from the University of Oklahoma, Jim Ross is going to know about him. Jim Ross is probably still really good friends with him. Jim Ross is probably the reason why Jake Hager is in AEW today. I think if you sort of lean more so into the... MMA and uh, amateur wrestling background of Jake Hager, this can work. I don't, I mean, obviously, Jake Hager's not Brock Lesnar. Like, we know this. Right. Absolutely. Can he be a bit of a Matt Riddle? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have the personality of a Matt Riddle. I think he needs to change his style then and not work pro wrestling. I think that he needs to shift away he can still do some of that, but he needs to throw in a lot of that extra background stuff because he has the right guy calling the matches to get that stuff over. He doesn't have Michael Cole and Vince McMahon in Michael Cole's ears. He's got Jim Ross that has talked about amateur wrestling and things of that nature forever and could get across the legitimate sport of it. And if he can, then you might have a decent hand, a, de- a good hand. A good hand. A hell of a hand? Yeah. I thought AEW started out well. I thought NXT was the better show. Um, because it was loaded. <laughs> yeah, because they threw everything at the wall. It was, it was totally loaded. They gave and, you the kitchen sink. But again, the good news is Wednesdays are just going to be fun. They're, I don't know how much we're going to see how it plays out. I think the replay, there are rumors that the replay for NXT is not going to be up until the Tuesday, the day before the next one, to try and make people watch that show live. It's not going to be on the network for five days after it airs because they feel like that could be the scapegoat for why they lost the ratings battle this week. I don't know. So, Hell in a Cell is tonight. Fiend? I mean... <laughs> does Fiend win? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you got Becky and Sasha. Like, I would hope Sasha wins. Kind of would have to, but we'll see. And then what's the other one? The tag match? Heck, I don't know. Roman Reigns and Daniel. Is Daniel Bryan going to turn, or is he going to stay babyface? I think he stays babyface. And then I guess we've got Charlotte and Bailey now. Yeah. And some other things probably uh, as well. Well, we'll yeah, find there, out. There's going to be more. Is there going to be a three red cage tonight, or are we going back to a regular cage? Please go back to a regular. Yes. Cage. All right. That's it. Squared Circle Radio live tweeting tonight at Zone Wrestling. We'll see you then. Yeah.